This is the Paul Curley Podcast, episode 36. The Paul Curtley Podcast. Wilderness bushcraft, survival skills and outdoor life. Welcome, welcome to episode 36 of the Paul Kirtley Podcast. Now, this episode is something of an in-betweeny-sode, at least in the sense that it's a bit shorter than normal and maybe a little bit narrower in focus. That said, I'm not at all disappointed by the gravity of the guests that I have. I'm joined by two guests today, John MacArthur and Moores Kahansky. Both are from Alberta, Canada, and many of you will, of course, know Moores' name. He is author of Bushcraft, the book that was originally called Northern Bushcraft, and that's one of the pillars of modern bushcraft literature, and Moores' place amongst the canon needs little introduction, really. John MacArthur has been fortunate enough to be mentored by Moores, but he's also an accomplished outdoorsman in his own right. In particular, John is actively involved in multiple aspects of search and rescue operations in Alberta, both at the provincial volunteer level as well as within the Royal Canadian Air Force ground search and rescue team. John is one of multiple volunteers on the organising board of the Global Bushcraft Symposium, which will take place in Alberta, 10th to the 14th of June 2019. One of the aims of the symposium is to connect elders of the bushcraft movement, people such as Moores, with younger instructors and practitioners. While John was visiting with Moores, we got online for a Skype call to discuss further the aims of the symposium, and who it's for. There are also some interesting digressions and anecdotes that add to the colour of the conversation, so I'm sure you will enjoy this a great deal. At times there's a little bit of background noise as well as a couple of guests coming and going. There was a cat coming into the frame from time to time as well as some creaky chairs but overall the audio is good and I hope you find this interesting and what's more I hope perhaps to see you at the symposium in June. Without further ado then here is the conversation between John Moores and I. Hello guys. How are you doing, Paul? Yeah, I'm really well, thanks. Yeah, good. How are you guys doing? We're doing fantastic. Good stuff. Good. Well, I'm really glad we could have this call. I don't know if Moores knows, but I met this uh, lovely gentleman, John, here um, when I was in Sweden in August, when John was doing his extended tour of Sweden. You were like there for like a month or something, weren't you? No, it felt like a month, but only two weeks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you just posted on Instagram longer than you were there, maybe. <laughs> maybe. That impression I haven't left. <laughs> I liked it so much. I'm trying to figure out ways to get back now. Yeah, uh, it's a good place. It's a good place. So John and I only had a brief time in Sweden to talk about the global bushcraft symposium i think we expected we'd have a bit more time and so we thought we'd try and catch up in this manner <clears throat> and john suggested maybe we do it when he was visiting you so we could have a conversation and um 
yeah i mean it's 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 kind of really open to you what you want to tell me about it. i mean clearly it's a really exciting it's a really exciting event and um you know people are excited about it people i've mentioned it to are excited at the concept so um very happy to be involved well one of the things i was thinking that we could do to start was uh maybe just go over some of the you know the dates and then uh what our mission mission is to for the symposium as a whole and kind of as the reasons why and maybe get more to do some personal reflections on those reasons because uh obviously there were some input was taken from him mm-hmm. yeah i have very little to do with uh actual running or i told people that i'm too old to lose my shirt or <laughs> for running it at a fair like this and uh, it was other people that figured uh, randy uh, from uh, bruiseman from caramat i think he was the main main uh, instigator of the concept <laughs> and then other people have stepped in to help with the organization well, uh, so I could uh, talk. I could talk just briefly about who some of those people are. Mm-hmm. So on the board we have David Delafield from Mammoth Bushcraft. We have Christian Noble from uh, the Master Woodsman. We also have uh, Randy and Lori from Caramat Wilderness Ways. Mm-hmm. We have Carlton, uh, the famous Kelly Harlton from A Wild Side Cal. Uh, his adventures, but he's the lead instructor at Caramat. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have. Al uh, Wardale, who's heavily involved uh, with hunting in the province uh, as a guide, and uh, he's done a lot of work with the Junior Forest Wardens. Um, we have Dale, Kislik, and Colleen Kislik uh, from Nature Alive, and they're big into paddling and bushcraft and anything really outdoors, and they lead a lot of programming, and Dale's taking on uh, with Colleen doing the theme camps. and I mean, there's obviously with, with a board, we have a lot of people uh, on it. And we've got Joe Flowers helping out. We've got um, David Westcott. Uh, I'm hoping not to miss anyone. Uh, they'll, they'll get me later. But they're all on, they're all on all the site, them. though. I think, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're all on the site. So that's yeah. uh, some some you know good people coming together. You know, and this is this is talks to one of our first mission statements is uh, by developing connections across generations of instructors and cultures of practice. So. We've got many different people from different layers of uh, of our, our continuum um, who are going to shape this this uh, experience because that's really what this is going to be is an experience to mm. be able to get out and 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 build that network right that the connection to our past and present right so but uh, I mean this is a prime example here we've got Moore's and him getting out and and getting to see everyone here on home turf is is a uh, is a really good thing for for him. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything you want to add to that? Well, fortunately, I, m- I managed to avert Alzheimer's up to this point. So, <laughs> uh, my guru Tom Warcraft, who's twelve years older than me, mm. uh, is sort of suffering a, a bit from from forgetfulness and so on. Mm. Uh, I tried very hard that he would attend too, but but he's not in a position to go to all that effort. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I, I hope that I will be healthy enough to be able to attend to hold down uh, sort of things that I played a, what I considered a significant role in the development of stuff, mm-hmm. like the super shelter and the, the things I learned from Tom, like the ski shoe and yes. the pack and 
and uh, things like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, he, he, uh, it became an understudy of his and uh, acquired a, an immense boost with regard to what I was able to turn around and present to the rest of the world mm-hmm. through Tom. Yeah. Anyway, the, but I, I'm going to act as an old dog, bringing <laughs> artifacts ready to talk pe- pe- people's ears off. Uh, outside of that, I, I have very little to do with the organization of the event. No, it'll be wonderful to see you there, Morse. The way things are, people can spend as much time as they like. The way I'm going to set it up so that anybody who wants to spend every minute, <laughs> I'll put up pictures so that the people can spend every minute they want. And, and you can see as an organizer the, the, the problems that that causes for us because we have timings to meet. We have to move moors along, and I suspect we'll have to have a couple bodyguards on them mm-hmm. with a uh, batons to keep them away <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can imagine open house with moors would be quite popular so yeah. <laughs> so the next mission statement i'd like to speak to is emphasizing the critical importance of teaching accurate fact-based and tested skills in the proper context that's one of the, the biggest things i think uh, we can all agree on is sometimes we see some of these uh, survival shows on television, and it's it's not reality. Probably for bushcrafters and survival instructors and, and, and people of that ilk, probably the most interesting stuff would probably have been what was left on the cutting room floor. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it's yeah. kind of one of the uh, one of the things that with that and and being able to pass it on, like when Morse teaches something, he teaches it in context. Like, here's the problem. Now, this is the solution. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, in my line of work, I, uh, um, you know, I I was in a in a lonely field all by myself, with the concern that when I quit a regular job to take this up for a freelance, the worry you have is that people will take work away from you if you don't set a pace and and keep you know keep ahead of the herd uh, of the wolf pack. Mm-hmm. So I figured that uh, you, you had to use it. I, I taught at the university level for almost 25 years. And there I had the opportunity to, I was given free reign to develop program. And I often felt that the people who had run the outdoor programs at the university level, they didn't seem to realize that they should uh, come up with innovative things, verify things do refreshing things, not just the same uh, regurgitation from mm-hmm. what was available. So that let me, you know, led me uh, off the, the the path trying to bring more science, you know, try to meet the needs of the outdoor education movement from kindergarten to grade 12 here in my neck of the woods and so on. Mm-hmm. And I, had, I was arrogant enough to figure that I was a scholar that knew how to use library resources, <laughs> that, uh, that I should incorporate a great deal of, of knowledge from every native, aboriginal, primitive, pioneering culture there was to uh, to make things alive. Mm-hmm. And that was big on science. Yeah. Uh, the chemi- physics and chemistry of fire or, 
or the the physics behind shelters and all that to try to tell people that uh, if you manage to get the right information, it let uh, improved what you were trying to do. And the whole idea is that if school was involved, there had to be a certain amount of scholarship and and valid knowledge that comes in physics, chemistry, uh, biology, uh, uh, all that sort of stuff. So, so I, I found myself in a situation where there was nobody doing what I was doing because uh, if you were a teacher, you were paid to be a teacher, so you didn't really have much time left over to do research and improve on camping and all that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. I found I, I, uh, I, you know, I, I felt that I had a big influence on what was happening as far as the knowledge that was circulating through the schools. If you're going to teach survival, you should be teaching something that's uh, modern and recent, not something that was around 50 years ago that really wasn't matured or consolidated. And there were a lot of sort of deficiency in that. Mm-hmm. There's trying to say, if you're going to teach as a teacher, we don't want you to teach ancient stuff that really wasn't as good as it could be yeah. from we have learned, you know, over the years. So, so that's what all this is sort of about. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that makes sense. That that validation, I think, is important. And that that cross-fertilization from, as you say, science, I think, is important. There's a lot of, I mean, we see it again now. I think we're, we're, we're in some ways, we're living in a great age where information is easily shared, but also there's a lot of nonsense out there as well. And there's a lot of people doing things on YouTube and making things up, basically, that have got no reference to reality or even what's gone before and i think you know one of the things that really attracted me was that second point that that john's just mentioned that it, it's in context and it's with re- reference to reality yeah there's a lot of stuff that uh there well there are extremes the tried and tested instructor that that's the person that's exposed to the the students uh and the students uh, have a lot to do with giving you direction mm-hmm. so if you if you uh, teach something and the students don't understand what you're saying you realize you haven't done your homework and then one day years down the road you you give a flawless presentation on something and no students uh, need to ask you clarification and that's when you start writing right yes you know, but an awful lot of people they start writing without that benefit of being tried and tested through instructorship. Absolutely. That's, that's why I'm here. There's the difference between me as I attempt to write. I attempted to be a scholar. I also became an instructor, and my students were my guinea pigs. And uh, whenever I subjected them to any sort of thing, I was right there to see how well they did or how much they absorbed that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And theoretically, a book like Bushcraft, I should have written three or four of them, but I'm just too lazy. Uh, my <laughs> life became so, you know, my my income came such that I had no motivation that hunger would never have to drive me to, to you know, hustle and write more books. Write more books, so yeah. So, yeah so. Well, I think uh, a, lot of pe- a lot of people have uh, gained a lot from that one book more. So. Yeah. yeah, I didn't want to hog it. <laughs> uh, I went and happened to get ahead on the bushcraft movement to the extent that all the good stuff I ended up 
<laughs> after after me, everybody would say I'm I'm being plagiarized. So, but anyway, I uh, uh, yeah, I, I had I happened to get ahead of the herd yeah. when the bushcraft movement really started in the UK. People yeah. started looking for more information and discovered that the Bible was already written and yes. it was me that wrote it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> first first mover advantage, I think they call that. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that could lead us into our third mission statement. Uh, so honoring those that have lived and rediscovered and promoted traditions before us. I mean, that's a fitting segue into to that concept. I mean, Moores will tell me when we're looking at books, like uh, this stuff wasn't new. There was some concepts, some ideas that had to be explored and 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 proven, right? And there was and he mentioned some of those things that he's done with the super shelter, but there was a lot of the stuff that they were doing it, but people probably weren't even writing it down mm-hmm. in, our, in our forefathers, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's kind of interesting, but uh, for me, honoring, I think part of my my talk at the Bushcraft Festival in, in, in Sweden was about that. It was order, honoring. Our, our lineage and, and where we come before and and you know to quote Albert Einstein we are riding on the shoulders of giants mm. uh, especially when it comes to the bushcraft movement a lot of the things the hard work was done for us by by people like Moores and Tom and I, I mean the list could go on with the, the different uh, authors with Nesmuk and Jagger and those guys so there's a lot of different th- places you can get information you know that was pre say bushcraft like northern bushcraft we should say um but there was, there's definitely, it's important to know where, who, who we are and where we come from. Uh, it made it easy for us to enjoy what bushcraft is today. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's one thing, you know, if you look, we're talking about science before, it's one thing you, you see in science that it's almost, well, it is required that if you're doing new research or you're publishing something new and building on work that's gone before, you actually physically and explicitly reference that work and I think it's something that this line of work isn't as good at people don't reference where things come from and um, you know it's 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 something that I, th- I find is important that it's you, you say where you learned it you acknowledge that and you uh, you respect it and I think one of the interesting things is that <laughs> I remember writing an article about hypothermia many years ago and I and I put various references to various books and work in it and you know with the intention of saying I didn't you know I didn't come up with all of this myself I put a little bit of my experience in there anecdotal stuff but then also it was just meant to be a a collation of of things that I had read and brought together and you know basically some notes that I used on the course but put into an article form on my blog and Somebody threw the crit, and this this just absolutely flummoxed me. Somebody threw the criticism at me because it had a set of references at the bottom. That it that I how did I can't even remember how he phrased it, but basically saying that it it was of no value because of all because it was just from somewhere else. And it's, there's this kind of weird inverted logic that if you reference where things come from, it's somehow it is plagiaristic or it is not as valid as somehow these people who pretend to have somehow made all of this knowledge that they have up from first principles. And I, I find that quite bizarre. So I'm, again, very much on board with acknowledging where where things come from and, you know, the debt that we owe to people who've done a lot of work in the past. And, I mean, in the end of the day, if you're going to use those skills 
in, in the manner they're going to be used to make your life better, what is it to someone else? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, it's a, there's a lot of haters out there. Yeah. Uh, people need to kind of just, <laughs> right. But, uh, I, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Morse. Yeah. I kind of monopolize. It's, it's easy to be yeah, a critic, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the uh, situation that I found, uh, uh, the, the worst rendered subjects, Probably at the head of the list is shelters, how mm. to build shelters. And the next one is how to utilize fire, mm-hmm. you know, in the sense of, uh, of uh, wilderness where you light a big enough fire to warm you up. And uh, uh, another subject areas, like, for example, when I was confronted with the issue to teach uh, university students how to sharpen so I would get university students for a month. And in that time, knife skills were important. But to put a razor's edge on a knife, it took years before I was able, as an instructor, to predictably teach a person right from scratch how to put a razor's edge on a knife. And the amount of, of information that's there was so confusing, disjointed, unorganized. <laughs> I created a booklet that's 32 pages. It's on sharpening. Yeah. I've often gotten considerable positive uh, comment on that they had never seen such a clear presentation, how you go about the process of sharpening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there is a, a rationale that involves. Uh, when you go to build a shelter, a lean-to, everything an architect should know to design a house, you know, thermal mass, reflectivity, emissivity, on and on, there's about a dozen different factors that participate in making a shelter comfortable. You cannot ignore or, or, or not incorporate those sort of things and, ha- and be able to build a successful lean-to. Mm-hmm. You've got to pay attention. If you don't do that, that means that you're a person that's just putting up a lean-to and say, here, this is what it looks like. I'll say, well, explain to me. What are all the dimensions? What are all the distances? What's the what's the inverse cube law? <laughs> all this sort of stuff, because the the instructor who has to provide the learner with all this guidance doesn't have a repertoire because he didn't investigate reflectivity. You know, when they say reflector fire, there is no reflection, and yet in your mind you say reflection, and a flawed uh, conceptualization doesn't end up helping you. And make that fire work better. Nah. But you're thinking in terms of absorption and re-emission, now you've got the proper tools to be able to to say, okay, when I apply this this way and this way, that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. This is how I get the heat. This is how I get the radiance. And, and uh, you know, when I came on the scene, no one had yet taken the time to be able to properly describe a fire. Uh, that is, you know, the, it took years before I could say, Oh, um, the way you describe a fire is, is uh, what it does to you. Mm. So make the fire big enough that it forces you to stay a step away. Well, you can't say, pile up the sticks to this height. And when that pile of sticks is burning, that's a fire. No, it's, it has to come from the, the way they, you, you arrange. And when you uh, create a, <coughs> a fire that's related to the size of sticks you use, and, and, and when you want to use it as a warming fire, 
it has to be big enough to force you to stay a step away. Mm. Of course, it uses prodigious amounts of firewood, yet the direction the Americans come from and make a little fire so that it's economical to hover <laughs> over it. It just never, ever worked. No. no. Uh, I learned from the native people I worked with that when they were cold, they built fires that, uh, that were enormous and uh, kept you warm getting the amount of fuel to keep it going. So when you were away from the fire, you're being warned by the exertion of finding more wood to put the fire. <laughs> and then, sorry, you can't get something for free. You can't build a little fire and then fall asleep and then wake up hours later that that little fire contributed to your comfort in any way. Yeah. Uh, it's just fantasy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Uh. yeah. Anyway, I, I don't know. I, I, I tend to start to get into the topic. <laughs> <laughs> get into the flow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get that much chance to talk across the world. This, you know. I've seen many things come up. I, I studied. When I wrote Bushcraft, I tried to study who I was writing for. Outdoors mm. people are very visual people. Uh, they don't particularly care to be able to read too much. They want to, they, they appreciate good pictures and and uh, uh, and good diagrams. But then there is pictures. What really riles me, you'll get a book and it's full of pictures. Every one of those pictures taught me nothing and it filled that book, caused the price to be connected with the fact there's so many photographs, but they were so poorly chosen. They weren't mm. instructed. No. And, and so on. And, and I was always the, the notion was keep the text to a minimum, use a lot more diagrammation and where diagrams uh, aren't as, uh, you know, when I show you a bleeding wound uh, that's an actual picture, uh, people see that anybody could draw a picture of a bleeding wound, but a photograph of a bleeding wound is credible. So you've got to have a balance between the credibilities. Uh, And so when you uh, minutely describe something and then you show a picture of it, then people know when all the little pointers that that have been brought to them, that they got the pointers from text and diagrams, uh, and then that the reality comes into this. So people are saying, "Oh, that's what a real shelter looks like." Yeah, it's built out of real things that uh, it wasn't a figment of an illustrator's uh, imagination. Mm. Mm. One of the reasons that I don't uh, uh, interrelate with the internet to see. Or what other people's opinions are, because all I do is to get very hot and bothered under the collar. Mm-hmm. Some or or they they have they don't know who they're talking to, and their criticism is never ever replaced by the a, a constructive. So whenever they criticize, there never follows a constructive uh, a replacement for that criticism. No, that you never see that happening with people who judge you, and then in the end, uh, it's just too frustrating. You work hard trying to do the best you can, and they come along, figure that uh, they they know better, and they don't they don't know, know how to. Well, no, I mean, what, I think one of the problems of our age is that people don't understand the difference between having an opinion on something and and validating that opinion, but also the fact that some people's opinions are more valid than others because of the experience they have and we live in this world where everyone's like well i've got an opinion and i can share it and it's equally valid and actually it isn't because you need to be able to back it up but that that's how i see a lot of those internet arguments going is it's just people with opinions based on presuppositions arguing in abstraction and it, it doesn't get you anywhere 
it's a rare thing, but uh, I've had uh, 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 members of the audience. What is it you term term when you're not being very nice to the presenter? Heckling. Rarely, Heckling. Heckling. Heckler. Heckler. Yeah, I had a heckler, mm. which he getting everybody else mad, but he chose to heckle me without asking who I was. But <laughs> <laughs> if he had asked, you know, well, who are you? And, and, and he would say, how many students have you ever taught in your life? And I would have to say thousands. He, <laughs> he was, and, uh, and I didn't know what to do about that because the, the audience was getting more and more angered by what he was doing. And it should have been me that should have said to the heckler, you know, I don't know why you're here and why you're giving me a hard time. And you're standing, you know, interfering with everybody else's uh, opportunity to come and you know, listen to what I got to say. Yeah. But uh, but I, uh, I I I, I uh, pondered on that. If another heckler ever, <laughs> <laughs> he would have been treated a little more roughly. I would have. I should have actually turned around and said, "Well, you're so smart. You come up here. I'm going to give you half an hour." Yeah. To to run the program, you you know what uh, why you showed up here. Now you do a better job or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Put your money where your You're mouth is. Eh? Oh. <laughs> so just kind of uh, to to narrow back on to the the, the honoring those that have come before. Um, some that a new project that's uh, coming out is a documentary that uh, Brienne Nettlefield did here in Alberta, and it's uh, called The Less You Carry, and it's inspired around Moores and his teachings right. and uh, some of the uh, influences that she's had in her life and then from learning from Moores, uh, some of the directions she's gone. But uh, I know she spent a lot of time with Moores and in, in around Karamat and she went to various locations around Alberta with some of Moores' students um, and uh, got some, some interviews with them. So there's a lot of good footage and there's a real, uh, there's, a, there's an underlying core to the whole story that it really pulls at some heartstrings. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of just waiting for that, and that's going to be called The Less You Carry. But uh, right now, I just uh, shared it around uh, a lot of the, the Facebook forms um, just uh, to start bringing awareness to the project. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it was a well-budgeted, uh, you know, s- s- short film, documentary style, but it's looking forward to that coming out. But that's going to be exciting, hey, Moore? Yeah. yeah. Nothing is, nothing sounds as beautiful as someone else blowing your own horn for you. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Well, I look forward to watching that. Um, let me know when, when and where. <clears throat> yeah. That's one of the, the big touch points for me is to make sure that I, I get as many people to get on this stuff, like learn about it. It's so good for you. Yeah. It, there's There's so many things that, it just makes your life better, and it's uh, you know, it kind of touched back to what I was talking about. Your podcast with Will Lord was absolutely like there was some big eye openers in there for me, Paul. I really enjoyed that that podcast or yeah. that podcast, the podcast, the podcast. <laughs> I should call it that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just because we were talking, and then today Moore's was talking about like uh, riding ten miles by horse and buggy into town and. And, you know, I said, well, did people hold books and were they absolutely distracted by their books? And yeah, he's like, no, sometimes you'd be riding, you'd, you'd fall asleep on, on the horse for a half an hour, 15 <laughs> minutes on that ride. You know, it's like, 
just kind of, you know, it take, we could drive to Edmonton today in the same time, you know, it mm. took them with a horse and buggy, but they didn't have all those distractions. So that was kind of a curiosity to me. Like, what did you do? What did, did you, did you always have to have a book in your hand or no, they just, they were tuned into different things. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's interesting. Interesting how things change. I'm glad you enjoyed that. I'm glad you enjoyed that, John. Thank you. I, I, I just some of the, the way he talked and the way he said things, I was like, I want to meet this guy. Like he just seemed to be, he was, he was like almost a refreshing approach and his story was so unique. And, uh, what was the name of the, the mine that, the Grimes Graves, Grimes Graves. Yeah. That sounds like a, a fantastic place to visit. Now, uh, meeting you and then hearing more and, and being exposed to more stuff, um, on on your misty misty island over there uh, <laughs> makes me want to come visit it right so and then yeah. being a macarthur uh, it'd be neat to get up to to scotland and some of the places where you're working in the highlands and stuff sure, and check sure. that stuff out well so, we'll have to we'll have to do that have to have a little road trip <laughs> yeah no one day yeah these um international connections I, I i'm really glad that we're we're making them and Circling back to the Global Bushcraft Symposium, John, how are you viewing success in that sense and where do you think that's going to lead us? Is the success will be everybody walks away like that was an experience. Like yeah. that to me yeah. is like that like a good positive experience and a chance to learn and and meet some of the best people that they could ever meet in their life. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly mean that going over and meeting some of the Swedes and while well, people from from all over the world, really. I mean, it wasn't just one place, but uh, that really opened my eyes to what else was out there. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, and then being able to connect us Albertan boys underneath the the Kohansky banner is really important for us. So we want to get out there and and and, and get to know the people on on an international level. When we look at like, uh, you know, one of the big things that sold me when I first started a, a Caramat was listening to Moore's talk about like. Lars Velt, and I'm like, who's Lars Velt? I want to know who this guy is, and then I start fi- figuring it all out, and I'm like, wow, this guy's amazing, <laughs> right? And then, and, uh, and then like just being taken in by the like the diagrams, Alf Lannerback diagrams in the books, and and uh, you know, but then hearing the story and knowing the connection, and then being able to go over to Sweden and meet people that met Moors, and then meet the people that the stories. But then hear their version of the story back about Moors. It just was like mm. it was a pretty neat experience. So no, that's that's I, wonderful, uh, yeah, and it's good that they're, they're sort of re-strengthening those connections and bringing a a new new generation of people from both sides of the Atlantic into the fold as well. It's it's really good. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh the next time I I would like to go over. I'd like to go over with more. I've got people who express interest to go over. But now we need to find the the right event to land on so mm. if you knew anything happening in like that august early september that's kind of uh be a nice time to come over i think mm-hmm. but i don't know what's going on or where where to go so. well, th- there's something that goes on called the um the wilderness gathering that you might want to look into yeah yeah and that's okay. normally um late august range is around the sort of 18th to 23rd of august somewhere around that whatever the sort of third weekend of august is it's normally around that time yeah i i, I know roger harrington yeah it's roger that organizes it yeah yeah he spent some time 
uh, with me here. Mm-hmm. I visited one of the gatherings. Right. Uh, well, if, you, if Moore's went, we have to go now. Yeah. <laughs> Dragon's in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Roger didn't know I was coming, and I showed up, and he was uh, almost fainted when. <laughs> Good surprise. Yeah. He was surprised, taken by surprise. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh. Um, Did you have any more questions about GBS in particular? Yeah, I think what would be really useful for listeners to know, John, is how you would sum up who the Global Bushcraft Symposium, the GBS, is for. Who would really benefit from coming? I would say anybody involved in in uh, wilderness living skills, survival, bushcraft instruction, learning how we can be better. Mm-hmm. I think is kind of the the uh, and I mean I wouldn't say that if you weren't a uh, an instructor that it's it's not for you. It just depends on what your level of interest is. Sure. I mean, you look for somebody uh, I, I think would be perfect and is is uh, the Danish bushcraft Erasmus, a uh, young guy up and coming, starting to teach uh, uh, a lot of his Sloyd and stuff like that, but like. You get somebody like that, the young guys in there, and they they clutch in early. They're going to really have some good advantages, uh, not just with the knowledge that they'll gain, but the people that they'll meet, and and uh, the, then they'll be connected to the past uh, a little bit better. I, I, I so that's that's you know I, I, that could be a whole gamut of people, but then there's also that bandwidth of they're there for bushcraft, they're there for for the you know it, it, once again that experience, right? But that could be something that could be of interest to a lot of people is to come. But in in our in in our scope, we're thinking, you know, professionals in the in the industry, uh, mm-hmm. and and hopefully a varied uh, cast and crew to come uh, visit and 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 have a memorable experience in Alberta. Yeah, I'm confident it's going to be a memorable time, and I'm very much looking forward to it myself. And I'm looking forward to seeing you guys there and meeting new people. There's a lot of people that are going to be there that I only know online, as it were, or I know of them by reputation. So I think it's going to be fantastic. So thank you for um, this discussion. Um, I know we could have gone on for a lot longer. Um, and also, thank you, Moors. I know you've got guests. John's there. There's other people there as well. So I'll let you get on. Uh, they're, 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 they're. <laughs> We're not really guests. Uh, <laughs> Unwanted. Members of the family. <laughs> you know, like relatives that are a pain in the... <laughs> <laughs> well, well. We got to get Moore's out to tour our uh, Camp Kohansky out in the yard. We okay. want to we'll show him off the uh, the wedge tent yeah, and here the, we go again. And- I'm here we go again. I'm going to have to give a testimonial. We're just taking blood this afternoon. Yeah, we're just taking blood. Now, well, I appreciate your time, guys, and, and particularly you, Moore's. It's been a, a pleasure to to catch up and to chat and. Uh, Thank you for the clarification on the on the symposium. I look forward to seeing you guys there. Perfect, Paul. Well, we'll be in touch. Uh, awesome. Good. Well, I'll let you get on. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Cheers, have a, man. And have a good day tomorrow. You bet. Yeah. Take care. Cheers. Okay. Well, thanks again to Moores and to John for their time. 
I hope you, the listener, found this interesting and enlightening. Please do check out bushcraftsymposium.com. That's bushcraftsymposium.com for more information on the Global Bushcraft Symposium, which takes place 10th to the 14th of June at Foothills Camp in Alberta, Canada. And I think it's going to be one of those events that's talked about for the next generation. Thanks for listening. And I look forward to speaking to you on the next episode of the Paul Kirtley podcast, where my guest will be Dan Hume and we'll be talking about all things fire making. Until then, take care and enjoy the outdoors. <laughs>